Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to another show here on a Friday afternoon. QT and Sangai with you as normal. Real fast before we jump into things, if you're looking for some wrestling tonight, you can find me in Port Orchard, Washington at the mall for Northwest Pro. VIP in Halton City, Texas. Brand new promotion called Scuttlebutt Wrestling in Everett, Washington. Rocky Mountain Pro in Denver, Colorado. And tonight, 1151 South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Outlaw Arena has night one of the Don Basher Memorial Show. We lost Don Basher a year ago yesterday. Tonight is the first of two nights there for the memorial show so friday and saturday if you're anywhere near indianapolis go over and support that great event at the outlaw arena tomorrow night saturday northwest pro returns to the key peninsula civic center in vaughn washington kevin sullivan will be making an appearance for that one so get out there to the civic center Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana, ALW in Burlington, North Carolina, Relentless Wrestling in Liberty Lake, Washington, AWF in Phoenix, Arizona, and Rocky Mountain Pro returns tomorrow night in Denver. So two shows for Rocky Mountain Pro, two shows for WCWO, and two shows for Northwest Pro. So there's lots going on out there. Get out there, support the independents as they continue to make their way back to live fans. QT still waiting on our guest to arrive. He should be here shortly. But I believe you picked up a brand new book out of a little free library as seen on the Sign of the Times, episode 485. Would you care to read a paragraph or two out of that book? Okay. This is called The Prison Angel. Um Oh, let me turn that on. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, The Prison Angel, and it's called Mother Antonia's Journey from Beverly Hills to a Life of Service in a Mexican Jail, keeping in mind that Christopher Reisach might be uh, comfortable in prison settings. Yes. Okay. Well, we have confirmed uh, that you, in fact, are. Okay. Now, this is Chapter 2, and it's called Hollywood Girl, page 21. Uh, Mother Antonia was born in Los Angeles on the 1st of December, 1926, and christened Mary Clark. Christian. I, I wonder if that's like a, they slammed a bottle against her and uh, before she was launched into the uh, ocean or pond or sea. Christian, because they christen ships. They do. Um, a christening for a baby is a little bit different, I believe. 
Is there a body of water involved? Um, I'm not sure if there is or not in most cases. Most of the time, I, I don't believe that there is. All right. Kirsten Mary Clark, no middle name. Her first-generation Irish-American parents valued simplicity. The golden-haired baby would be Mary, nothing more, nothing showier, a name frightened with faith that Irish Catholics had bestowed upon their children by the millions in an act of honor and hope. Her father, Joseph Clark, grew up in New York at the beginning of the 20th century. The son of a fisherman who drowned at sea before his first birthday, and a mother who scrubbed floors and washed clothes for people who could afford not to. Joseph missed many weeks of school over the years, helping his mother earn money, but the understanding nuns at the parish school awarded him a diploma that said he had completed the eighth grade. Well, that was nice. That was, that was okay. Okay. He missed a lot of school. So, okay. Uh, What he lacked in advantages, he made up for with personality and engaging goodness, and these qualities lifted his fortunes as a young man. At 17, Joseph applied to a big firm in New Jersey for a job selling carbon paper and typewriter ribbons, the hottest technology in American offices. Wow, typewriter ribbons. It's um, that opens up a question right right away. What's the hottest technology going right now, Sign? Well, I don't think it's typewriter ribbons. I would say maybe it's this new um, Bitcoin. Oh, well, I guess you could sell Bitcoins. Uh, this also says Joseph sold carbon paper. What's the equivalent of today's carbon paper? Um, probably vinyl flooring. Okay. (laughs) Charming and persuasive with dark good looks and hazel eyes, he came across as unusually confident without any trace of egotism. Though he had no experience, he was sure he could knock on any door and come away with a sale. Being hungry, he often said, makes you succeed. Being hungry. Does he mean physically hungry or uh, uh, financially hungry? I'm going to guess financially. Financially. Have you ever have you have you ever heard of a story of a grasshopper who found a dollar bill and was munching on that, but found it bitter? I have not, but. I do enjoy a good grasshopper. They're a tasty beverage. Oh, yeah, the green the gra- aren't grasshoppers green, I think. Yes, they are. They usually are green due to the cream de mint. Ah, okay. Now mimosas are are golden, right? Yes. It depends mimosas. on what you have in the mimosa because mimosas can be made with a variety of uh, juices. For example, some are made out of orange juice. Some are made out of grapefruit juice. Oh, grapefruit juice. Mimosa? Wow. Yeah, you've never heard of a grapefruit juice mimosa? Uh Uh-uh. 
Yeah, it's definitely a real thing. I heard I saw an episode on the Big Bang Theory where Raj Guther Pauly was drinking mimosas, and he said they were kicking his brown ass. Oh wow! <laughs> now, how oh. many mimosas is your own personal record for drinking mimosas in one day? I, you know, I don't think I've ever had one. I've had a Long Island iced tea, though. That is nothing like a mimosa at all. Yeah, yeah, but they still do pack a, a kick. I drank two of them in fairly big glasses. Then I got cut off. Yes. I could definitely understand that. But, yeah, that's not a mimosa at all. Mimosas usually are either orange juice or grapefruit juice and champagne. Oh, yeah, Boy, you, you never want to drink mimosas and beer. Ooh. Not at the same time. <laughs> no. Now, a lot of people uh, drink mimosas as a breakfast drink because mimosas are socially accepted for breakfast due to the orange juice or grapefruit juice, apparently. I can see that. Mostly in tropical settings. Oh, anywhere. If you go to, like, any standard restaurant around, usually you can get a mimosa if they have a bar. Yeah, but I don't... For some reason, I can't picture mimosas in Death Valley. Something about Death Valley where I don't think mimosas would be favored. Well, do they have a bar in Death Valley? (laughs) I bet you there's a there, there's like a Death Valley uh, bar, yes. Well, then I bet they would make you a mimosa. It's just standard mm-hmm. stuff the bars would normally have. Okay. And you see, I, I'm personally kind of a – I'd like to visit Death Valley one day and, and, and settle down at a bar and go over the rainfall every month. That's what I'd like. Now, to would this be with the weather club members, such as Mike Trout, Aaron Bolo, and South Park Bellinger? Oh, yes. Yes. Now, what do you think the biggest amount of rainfall in the history of Death Valley is? I bet that they've received, um, let me see, probably close to an inch on several occasions over a day, an inch, which is quite a big amount. In a day, huh? All right. I can see that. Now, how many mimosas do you think is a record for old thumbs up Lance Dean in one day? How many mimosas do you think he could handle before he just hit the ground with his thumb high in the air? He would drink a half-gallon bucket of mimosas. A half-gallon bucket? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's a lot of mimosa for old thumbs up. Oh, yeah, that's like a that's like a, a standard. Um, let's say uh, those are like two uh, tall energy drinks. Two tall ones of those big monster cans. Yeah, but they're not energy drinks. They're champagne and juice. I bet the quality of 
I don't know. I guess I guess in the top end uh, restaurants of Manhattan and Manhattan and bars, you could get some pretty good quality champagne. But like all else, there's bars that will give you the the lowest uh, quality stuff. Yes, that's well, very true. Usually, if you go to a restaurant and you get a mimosa, it's going to be the lower end champagne. They usually hold the uh, higher end champagnes back if someone were to order a bottle of champagne. Usually, to mix yeah. it, they use the lower end. Yeah, I'm not sure about the orange juice. I like Donald Duck orange juice myself. Donald Duck. You know who sells that quite a bit is the uh, Family Dollar in uh, Kenmore, Washington. Ooh, Kenmore, huh? Yeah, yeah, they sure do. That you can get the Donald Duck juice there. I wonder if our our the person that we we were supposed to interview today, today, who Billy Joe ever drank uh, Donald Duck orange juice? Well, he will be here in a little while. He's running about half an hour late, but when he gets on, that could be your lead question. He probably is. By his uh, YouTube video, Bases Loaded, Ocean versus Hillbilly. Now, do you think that he may have had some Donald Duck juice prior to that match? He may have, but the referee certainly had a luxurious black beard with sideburns. Kind of like old thumbs up Lance Dean. Yes. And what did you think of of this uh, Ryan Ocean, the elected cruiserweight? No, he is a good cruiserweight competitor. Gave Billy Joe a run for his money. Billy Joe got on his knees and wrestled. From a knee knee standpoint, yes. Well, sometimes people do that to Donny Idol too. They do. Sometimes. Let me see. I will read another chapter in this book. And then I think I will look up the rainfall record totals for Death Valley. Oh, that would be huge. Now, while you look up those totals, should I read from a book? Oh, okay. You can read from a book. All right. I'm going to go grab a book off my shelf so I'm prepared. But go ahead with one more chapter from the book you were reading. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. He didn't have an appropriate suit for an interview, so he assembled the best of his poor boy's clothing and marched into the company's president office. When the man told him to sit down and take off his coat, Joseph answered that he could not because his pants were torn. His directness and humility impressed the president who peeled some bills from a money roll in his pocket and told Joseph to to buy himself a suit so he looked sharp on his sales calls. Mr. Clark, the boss said, I think you are one guy who can sell. A year later, the young man married Kathleen Mary Riley, 
also a child of Irish immigrants and seven years his senior. They shared a love of words. His gift was speaking. Hers was writing. They moved together to Los Angeles when Joseph became the West Coast salesman for Peerless Imperial Manufacturing Company of New Jersey. Oh, okay. Uh, Peerless. Imperial. Peerless Imperial. That'd be a name of a good car. The Peerless Imperial. Yes. A car. Okay. I would make a nice car name. Yes. I sense a question uh, coming to Hillbilly Joe if he would think that'd be a good car name. I wonder what kind of car he drives to the arena. Mm, see, he's from probably Appalachia or the Gulf Coast states. That's hard to um, hard to uh, speculate on. Well, I'll speculate. Maybe a Ford Pinto. Left over from seventies. Wood Pinto. Oh, that'd be unusual. You don't see very many of them out on the road anymore. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Well, uh, were you going to read from a uh, wrestling book? Sort of. I sure can. Now, while you look up the. Uh, Rainfall totals of Death Valley. Before I read the book, I would like to point out I got confirmation from old thumbs up Lane Steen himself, QT's wrestling source out of Shelton, Washington. His record number of mimosas in a day, two. Well, uh, okay, two, but how many ounces were they? He did not give me the ounces, but I'm going to guess probably eight. That's usually a pretty standard mimosa. Wow, that's that's a lot a lot of uh, mimosa. Yes, eight ounces. Ooh. <laughs> Each. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I shall read from the book "Wrestling at the Chase: The Inside Story of Sam Mushnick and the Legends of Professional Wrestling" by Larry Matzik. So the late Larry oh. Matzik. I will read from page 159. Sam often pointed out that my job as announcer was to educate our audience about the St. Louis style. He liked how I picked up on the little details of booking and that subtle intricacies were clearly explained. Just as important was the background material that added depth to the personalities in the ring making everything fit together seamlessly was the goal. It was a soft sell, cool, comfortable, and oh so effective. Mickey and I were fans who happened to have a bit more inside knowledge. We were the conduit between the wrestlers and a public kind enough to invite us into their homes. And the bottom line is that it was just plain fun. One of my favorite moments came when we were building to a title match between Ric Flair and Dick the Bruiser at the Checker Dome on June 12, 1982. The two had a history of combat, so I had plenty of facts to remind fans about while explaining why this showdown was special. It also helped create the sense that almost anything could erupt, especially considering Dick's volcanic personality. What took place on Wrestling at the Chase on June 6, 1982 
is still talked about by anyone who watched. As Flair was wrestling Art Cruz, the bruiser came to our table, where incidentally, Flair had placed both his gorgeous expensive robe and the gold belt. Fans started to react as Dick snapped the belt around his waist and, insult of insults, put on Flair's robe. Rick went berserk and tried to get at the bruiser. Cruz cut him off, still wanting to battle. As Flair got to the floor with Cruz hanging on for dear life, the bruiser crawled into the ring. Dick pulled off the robe and threw it to the canvas. Then he stomped on the robe and did a little dance on the outrageous garment. Rick desperately tried to reach the bruiser, but Cruz clawed, punched, and held him back. Next, Dick waved the robe like a matador and then heaved it onto the studio's bleachers. Before Flair could get at him, he scooted out with the gold belt still around his waist. Flair then ripped Cruz apart and charged my table. By that time, a referee had somehow retrieved the gold belt. In the next bout, Dick absolutely destroyed Ray Hernandez. Later, Ray would add Hercules to his moniker. He whipped his hapless foe toward our table. Hernandez sailed over it just past my right shoulder and crashed into the canvas wall behind our platform. QTD had the rainfall totals for Death Valley. No, not yet. Uh, not yet. I got uh, needles. Needles, California, but that uh, is not quite what I want. Let me uh, double check here. While you double check, I can report that Old Thumbs Up had orange juice in his mimosa. Orange juice. Oh, okay. Juice. No, it was orange juice. I have this confirmed. Now, QT, will there be a special convening of the Weather Club as we go into what is predicted to be all-time record heat in the city of Seattle during the month of June? I am now going to send out an emergency notice to Devin Bellinger about that. Yes. All hands on deck. Yes. Now, is that because you're going to have the meeting aboard one of the Navy ships in the Everett fleet? That would be very huge in Everett. Yes. It really would. Okay. Here we go. Death Valley is famous as the hottest place on Earth and driest place in North America. The world record highest air temperature of 134 uh, degrees was recorded at Furnace Creek on July 10, 1913. Summer temperatures often top 120 degrees in the shade with overnight loads dipping into the 90s. Average rainfall is less than two inches, a fraction of what most deserts receive. Occasional thunderstorms, especially in late summer, can cause flash floods. Well, and let me see now. Um, in contrast to the extremes of summertime, winter and spring are very pleasant. Winter daytime temperatures are mild in the low elevations with cool nights that only occasionally reach freezing. 
Higher elevations are cooler than the low valley. Temperatures drop th uh, three to five degrees with every thousand vertical feet. Okay, let me see, but it doesn't give the rainfall totals. Um, dust storms can suddenly blow up with approaching cold front. Let me see my wife's a lot. That plays some mini records. Okay, let me see here. Uh, oh, oddly enough, 1913 was also the year that saw Death Valley's coldest temperature. On January 8th, the temperature dropped to 15 degrees at Furnace Creek. Oh, boy. That's pretty cold for Death Valley. Yeah, boy. Okay, no rain was recorded in the years of 1929 and 1953. The driest stretch on record was only uh, 0.64 inches of rain over a 40-month period. Ew, 40 months. Let me see now. That's nearly two years. Rain. Yeah, only 60. Well, I guess it doesn't give the rain. Oh, wait, it's the average precipitation. Okay, let me see. In January, 0.27 of an inch. February? Uh, point thirty-seven. Okay, in I'm waiting a year, year. At, okay, um, Jan, okay, December. Well, what's a, okay? Point thirty-seven inches in February. Point twenty-two inches in March. Uh, point twelve April and May. Point zero seven in May. Okay, point eleven in July, point eleven in August, point fourteen in September. That's must must be when they have the monsoonal. Well, okay, so the wettest month is is typically uh, February with point thirty seven. That's way under what you said. You thought they might get in a day, which was uh, one inch. Uh, you got that right. I can't. Well, okay. Yeah, that's an inch would be probably too much. But let's see images. Oh, okay. Images for Death Valley precipitation records. This, oh, I think they got a plaque here. Let me see. Okay. Oh, oh no, that's how. Oh, I, uh, plaques are huge, but it doesn't look like. Let me see now. They have a okay. Uh, how hot? Let me see rainfall total precipitation. Here we no. Let's see monthly normals. We went through that. How? Uh, let me click on this. Death okay. Death Valley National High Temp. No. Oh come on. Let me see plaques. Frequently distribution of management. Ooh, boy, you should click on some of these images of Death Valley. They're kind of interesting. They they are, right? Now, do any of them feature Death Valley's own The Undertaker? That's also what I'm looking for. You know, there's, a, there's an iconic uh, highway uh, through Death Valley. It looks like the one that Forrest Gump ran through. Forrest Gump. Oh, wow. 
I'd encourage everyone to go to the Death Valley, uh, do a Yahoo search for Death Valley, yes. Ooh, boy, I think they got Furnace Canyon on here. Okay, here we – nope. Temperatures. I'm really, I'm really looking hard for the rain, rain records. But I see one QT. Apparently, the wettest month on record, January 1995, when 2.59 inches fell. 2.59. That's not bad. That's that's a, a good month. What what month was that? January of 95. Wow, that's not bad. Two inches. That would be two point five nine. It was nearly three. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, Well, gee, they they had to have one day with a quarter inch, I would think. It didn't get that specific, but said for a month that was the wettest it had ever been in Death Valley. Well, it also has Death Valley precipitation records by year, by month. Okay, let me click on this. Death Valley, okay, the driest stretch. Okay, we went over that. Um, Death California, recent annual temperatures and rainfall. Here we go. Okay, let me see. Hmm, no. That this table gives the total precipitation that fell on Death Valley during each year from 2010. Oh, okay, let me click on this. Might be important. Oh, uh, boy, total rainfall, 13 days in 2020. Oh, only 0.09. Good grief. Okay, 2019, they had 2.9 inches. 2019. That was that was a pretty good year. Here's another year with 0.9 inches, uh, 2018 and 2020. One and a half inches in 2017. Uh, here we go, 2.5, 2.5 in 2015, 2.2 in 2013. I don't think they've ever received a year. Oh, yeah, here we go, 2010, 3.9. 29 That's not days bad. That was a goalie washer. 3.9 inches. Not bad. Not bad. Now, well, Sinai, QT, our guest has arrived, so let's bring him onto the show right away. We have with us Hillbilly Joe. Hillbilly Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. We definitely appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Well, since it is your first time with the Silbilly Joe, I will lead you off with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? It's something that I have always wanted to do ever since I was little. You know, coming up when I was little, you know, me and my brothers will always wrestle, act like we're one Sting or Ric Flair and all that, and we always did that. It was something that I always wanted to do. Just couldn't ever get the right moment until here lately I was able to get into it. I had a late start in it, but, hey, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying every minute of it. That is good to know you enjoy what you do. 
how in the era of wrestling that we are in right now, as independent companies still are making their way back, one of the things of concern has been sanitizing the ring. That's been an issue for quite a while as we learn more and more about what medical science has learned about things that can happen from a dirty ring. Now more than ever, it seems to be important. From shows that you are on and from things that you've observed, do you think that independent promotions in your area are going to continue to observe the sanitation practices of the ring? Oh, of course. Of course, we uh, we clean it up. We do everything to make sure everything's safe and all. Very good to hear that. That's an important thing right now. One of these things that has been successful for independent wrestlers in the last few years, probably more so than at any other time in the last 30 years is getting over to Europe to wrestle as an independent wrestler. You see a lot more promotions all over Europe, be it England, Germany, France, even Romania has wrestling now. Is wrestling in Europe something that you have ever personally considered? Uh, not really thought about it. Not really thought about, you know, going over there. I mean, I'm Sure, if the opportunity came available, I will probably look into it. Uh, just for your own personal career, have you wrestled very many people that do the European style, like the British wrestling? Uh, not too many. All right. Normally, normally we keep it... Uh, with SWA that uh, that's my home wrestling. We we're pretty much well old school. We're we're old school like like it used to be, and and we 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 keep it old school. It's working really well for us. Nothing wrong with that at all. That, this is successful formula for a lot of people. I'll. In the last several years, probably like the last 10 years, one of the things that has become very important at every level of wrestling, especially independent wrestling probably, is social media. More and more wrestlers and wrestling promotions use social media to get word out about uh, what they are doing in wrestling and how to support from what you've seen in your area, do you think most of the people that you work with have a good grasp on social media, or do you still see people struggling to use it to be able to better themselves? No. Um, we got several promotions running around here as well where we at, but I, as far as I know, with SWA, where, we, where I wrestle with, and then another company I wrestle with was uh, 225 Pro Wrestling. Uh, they, their media work and all that does great. 
you know, it's it's really good. I mean, the fans really connect with us when we go using the media network and all that. We get a lot of good feedback off of it, and it it, it really does help. A lot of promotions, when things had to be shut down because of the pandemic, were turning to social media to keep content out there. So no matter how long they were going to be shut down, they still had something for fans to enjoy and to watch. Uh, For the time that your own home companies were shut down, did they – use social media to do things like that? Were they putting out video content without fans in attendance or anything of that nature? We have did that. We have we have did a few few what we put out for our fans. We we have did that and that the fans have really enjoyed that. One of the other things that has been important in the last year and a half or so for most of us is merchandise. A lot of wrestlers and a lot of promotions that lost ticket revenue turned to merchandise revenue in order to keep money coming in. Uh, A lot of people did online sales of all their merchandise, and a lot of people did well with it. Do you personally delve into the merchandise aspect very much? I I do have merch. I, I do. I got some shirts and I got a few other things that I do sell at events. Uh, I have not dove into as far as putting it out on social media to sell. I haven't dove into that, but I, I do have merch that I do sell when I go to, to wrestling events. Well, at this point, my co-host QT is standing by, and I know QT has some questions, so I'm going to pass things right over to him for a bit. All righty. Well, thank you, Sangai. Hello, Mr. Hillbilly. How you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Mr. Hillbilly, I saw your YouTube video entitled Bases Loaded, Ocean versus Hillbilly, and uh, do you remember this match with the elected uh, heavyweight. Yes, I, I remember that match. Did you it, yourself... In the way that I wanted to. <laughs> yes, he brought out a belt at the 11-minute mark. I don't know how he yeah. got the... How he slit. Aren't belts... First of all, aren't belts illegal in the ring under all circumstances? Belt. Yes. Oh, Okay. I noticed that the referee had a, a luxurious beard and sideburns, and uh, so did you. Uh, it's pretty rare, from my video analysis, to see a wrestler, a, a wrestler and a referee have the same uh, uh, beards like that or hairstyles. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't quite make it to my weed eater before I got to that. For that match to get a little hair trimmed up, but normally I keep a little short, shorter than what I had it that night. Well, you know, at the 10 minute and 22 second mark of the match, you gave him a big boot 
and then you, uh, uh, a very high boot. Uh, I, I'm going to say by video analysis that you have size 13 triple E feet. Am I right? That's close. Very close. Ah. It depends yeah, on. I, it, it, it depends on uh, which pair of shoes that I put on. I'm anywhere from a 13 to a 15. Oh, okay. Well, I'm somewhat of a video analysis expert. Okay, I'm going to put down that you're probably a 14D instead of 13 triple E. Okay, very good. Yep. But I was, I myself was impressed of how high you got your leg and your boot to his to his face. My question is, do you practice a lot of hot yoga like Diamond Dallas Page? No, I, I I don't do yoga. Oh, okay. Okay, I just thought about how flexible you were that you might you might have. Okay. Well, but my other question is, we just went through an election for president. I have a feeling that Mr. Ocean just went through his own election to become the elected heavyweight. Did you yourself vote for him in your local polls? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I don't think there was any kind of real election on that. I think it was just him appointing himself to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Mr. Joe, have you heard of a wrestler out of West Virginia that bills himself as the progressive liberal? Uh, no, I don't believe I've heard of him yet. Oh, okay. Well, your homework, Turnbuckle Turmoil homework assignment is to go on YouTube and look up the wrestler known as the progressive liberal. Will you do this? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. He sometimes comes down to the ring in Hillary Clinton T-shirts to rile up the crowd. (laughs) Oh, oh. Yeah. And you know what? uh, In my video analysis, the progressive liberal is about the same size, maybe a little bit smaller than than your elected heavyweight, the one that you wrestled. Oh. Wouldn't yes. it be great if the elected heavyweight had a match with the progressive liberal? That's what I'm asking. Uh, oh, it, it it may be a good one. I think so. Well, Mr. Hillbilly, what arena that you had your match with, uh, Mr. Ocean, the elected heavyweight, was quite interesting. It was an open-aired uh, uh, venue with many steel beams beams up on top. So I'm so I'm sure it supported a very heavy roof. But it looked like it belonged to a rodeo uh, venue. Can you confirm that? Well yeah, it was a it was a little uh rodeo arena they had where we had it at. Oh, okay. All right. Have you yourself ever participated in, in a uh rodeo? yourself no no i haven't i haven't participated in a rodeo oh okay unless, well, you, count, I only, unless, you, unless you count a buffet as a rodeo i only ask this because have you seen the movie stir crazy 
I didn't. I didn't hear you. What was that? Did you ever see? I ask you this because did you ever see the movie Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor? I, yes, I, I know what you thought. Yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. Oh, okay. I like the part where uh, Grossberger, where a, a brought, where a bull from the bull riding was charging Gene Wilder, and Grossberger stepped in and made a, a face at the bull, and the bull ran away. For some reason, that reminded me of you, Grossberger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, now, uh, Mr. Hillbilly, we here in the Northwest are now on the very cusp of, of a heat wave. Uh, temperatures are supposed to reach 100 degrees for the next two days. And in Portland, Oregon, they think it might reach 111 degrees. My question is, have you yourself ever had entrance music with the word fire or heat in the title? Yeah, well, uh, not really. Oh, okay. Would you consider using the the song "Drop It Like It Hot"? Drop it like it like it hot by Snoop Dogg as your entrance music. That's what I'm asking. Uh, well, I probably wouldn't. I probably probably wouldn't. I'm I'm just an old hillbilly. Uh, you know, oh, hillbilly right. is like banjo. You know, like banjos and all. So. Okay. How about burning down the house by the fucking heads? Uh, that was a decent song. Okay, decent song. I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put a better than average that you're gonna use that better than average chance. Okay. All right. How about uh, Martha and the Vandals heat wave? Yeah, that's an old one. Uh, that's average. All right. Okay. How about how about Disco Inferno by the Tramps? Would you use that as your entrance music? If we can, if we can throw some banjos and some fiddles in there. Okay, banjos and fiddles. I I myself now have a homework assignment to look up if there's any banjos and fiddles in songs with the word heat. Boy, I've got my work cut out for me. <laughs> How about yeah. Burning For You by Blue Oyster Cult? Would you use this Blue Oyster Cult song? Uh, well, we might go back to what I said a while ago. If it's some banjos and some fiddles and, and some uh, blowing on some old uh, jugs in there. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then I think you're going to like this next one. Um, the devil went down to Georgia. Well, there's a possibility we can throw that one in there. Oh, okay. Because although I don't think it contains the word heat or yeah, or smoke or anything like that or forest fire, um, it does have the devil in it, and he, uh, you know, lives in a pretty hot place. Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay. My only other suggestion, and this is the last one, would be Great Balls of Fire by Gary Lee Lewis. Yeah, that, well, we got some fire pianos going, and we 
we throw some fiery banjos and fiddles and and some steel guitars in there. We can probably make something go with it. All right. I think we got a winner here. I think we have a song we can settle on. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Hillbilly, you're, uh, I assume that you're from the hills of Appalachia, and you uh, hillbillies have been known to put away a lot of moonshine. What would happen if you could travel back in time and challenge Andre the Giant to a drinking contest? How much moonshine do you believe that Andre the Giant could drink? I think you'll be able to drink more than I can. He's a lot bigger than I am. Yes, yes. I think at his heaviest, Andre the Giant hit the scales at 525 pounds. Yep. Yep. Now, now, Mr. Hillbilly, did you ever have a chance to meet any of the relatives of Haystack Calhoun? No, I have not. What is the biggest man that you yourself have faced in the ring? Have you faced any wrestlers that have uh, gone up to seven foot in height or six foot eleven? No, I haven't. Met. The closest one that I've met that I was in the ring, he was a buddy of mine, and he turned his back on me a while back, and that was Lumberjack Sam Richards. He stands around six mm-hmm. eight. I'm I'm around six seven, and uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest one that I've been in the ring with so far. Can you give us a little bit of any, any reason why he would turn his back on you? Did was he was he is he now known as a backstabber? That's what I'm thinking. Well, at first, no. Uh, I mean, we went through training together. We trained together. We worked out. I mean, we. We traveled around, you know. He went with me several times to different wrestling events I went to, and there's this one group that is in with SWA, and they trying to run everything. That's Domination Inc. that we got there, and they got to his head, and he joined them and turned his back on me and trying to settle that score, trying to get even get that. Let him know that it was a mistake, and he wasn't buying it. Now, I heard, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out of Shelton, Washington, that you also tried to steal your girl at, at the Hootenanny barn dance? The Hootenanny. No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Hillbilly Joe, I did enjoy your wrestling video um, against the elected heavyweight very much. And at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Sangai. All right. Thank you, Sangai. Thank you, QT. Well, Hillbilly Joe, we have a game we like to play on this show. We call it Bring On the Choice, Bring On the Funk. I'll give you a series of two options, and the one that is your own personal preference is the answer. Are you ready for a round of Bring On the Choice, Bring On the Funk? All right, here we go. First choice, knee lift or knee drop? Run that by again. I didn't quite understand. I'll give you a 
choice of two options, and the one that you personally prefer is the answer for it. So, first choice, knee lift or knee drop? Uh, knee drop. Smoky Mountain Wrestling or USWA? Uh, USWA. Pinfall or submission? Submission. Fruit or vegetables? Mm, vegetables. Poker or gin rummy? Uh, what was them choices again? Poker or gin rummy? Uh, gin rummy. Television or radio? If I get my television to work down here in Buzz Rouge, I prefer tele, uh, television, but sometimes it don't work down here in Buzz Rouge. All right, gotcha. Tights or trunks? Uh, tights. Boots or barefoot? Boots. The last one? WWE or AEW? I'm going to guess I'm old school. I'm going to go with WWE. All right. Well, that concludes that game. One of the problems that professional wrestling has had in the last many, many years, uh, it has gotten more attention in the last... 15 years because medical science has finally caught up and has understood more about the effects of concussions. There's been a lot of uh, talk about how serious concussions can be with wrestlers, especially at the independent scene where there's not really a way to hold anyone to a standard, so it's pretty much up to the individual wrestler to protect themselves as best they can from long-term effects. In your own career, have concussions played a role in either your own wrestling or wrestling against someone else that may have suffered one? No, no, unfortunately, no. I've been lucky enough that, you know, I haven't had that issue, and haven't wrestled anybody that that I know of that had that issue at any time here since I've been wrestling. Well, let's hope it stays that way because those are not fun. Oh, I, I can imagine. Now, QT mentioned the referee that was in your match uh, earlier. I'm sure you've been in there with a fair number of referees in your career. Who would you say are some of the better referees that you've encountered that might need to get more recognized by promoters? Uh, every, every every referee that I've been in the ring with was great. Uh, I mean, there's – I mean, I, every one of them does a great job. I mean, if any, you know, sure, if any promoters wants to see any of 
the referees I've been with, especially with SWA, they can go on Fight TV. We're on Fight TV. It's free. You can download it. Go in there and search SWA, and you can check out all that. All right. We're down to the last few minutes of our show, so I want to give you ample time. If there is anything that you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything you have, social media, merchandise, upcoming shows, your favorite barbershop, anything at all that you would like, floor is all yours. Uh, yeah, anybody that wants to check out Hillbilly Joe, check out SWA Promotions. Uh, you can look us up on Fight TV. Uh, it's, like I mentioned a while ago, it's free. Uh, download it on any kind of smart TV, fire stick, your phone, your computer, whatever. And just search SWA. All of our TV tapings is there. Uh, we own our local TV and everything here in Mississippi, and uh, you can also search us on S- uh, Facebook, SWA Promotions on Facebook. You can check us all out. we got a show coming up July 17th in Poplarville, Mississippi. Uh, if you're interested in any Hillbilly merchandise, look me up on Facebook. Hillbilly Joe is the name on Facebook, and we can get together. Well, Hillbilly Joe, I want to thank you very much for being on with us today. We definitely appreciate your time, and I want to wish you the best of luck as you continue forward in your career, and hopefully we'll get to sit down and talk with you some more at a later date. All right, that will work for me, and I appreciate you all having me on the show. All right. We'll definitely have to do this again. Fans, if Hillbilly Joe is coming to a town near you, Buy yourself a ticket. Check out what he does. Look him up on the YouTube. I think you will enjoy him. Don't forget you can find me later tonight at Port Orchard, Washington for Northwest Pro. Also, if you're anywhere near Indianapolis, get out there to the Don Basher Memorial Show tonight and tomorrow night. Pick up one of the Memorial T-shirts. Support what we're doing to pay tribute to Dangerous Bull, Don Basher, my old boss. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have with us Freddie Hudson, great, great competitor out of the Midwest. And then we'll also be back with you a week from today. So make sure you join us, and we'll talk to you soon. Ah!